Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Motivate, the Motivation and Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Ahi D, and today's guest is Tony Robbins talking about paying the price. I chose this episode because so many of us aren't achieving our goals because we're not paying the right price to achieve our goals. Most of us are just breaking even. Most of us are doing just enough so that we're not depressed and sad, but not enough so that we're happy. Greatness has a price. Are you willing to pay it? Greatness is defined by you. I'm not saying go out there and be a billionaire or be the next president, but greatness in terms of your own life. Are you willing to pay that price? That's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Stay focused and stay dangerous. What creates an extraordinary quality of life? Does money do it? Do you know people have lots of money are still not fulfilled, yes or no? Absolutely, people have tons of money that kill themselves. Does having a great relationship guarantee you'll be happy, yes or no? Can somebody love you and you still not feel love because you don't love yourself? Absolutely. Does having a great job guarantee a great quality of life? No. Does living in a great city guarantee a great quality of life? Absolutely not. The only thing that guarantees a great quality of life is a great psychology, a great mindset, because here's life. We can't control the events, right? But we can control what they mean to us. And that's where all of life is controlled and shaped for the better or for the worse. How you feel right now today, whether you feel depressed, excited, happy, whether you're looking at me going, who is this idiot with these big teeth? I've seen him sometime between the spray-on hair and the haircut thing. I know he's in there somewhere. You know, when are we going to get the next speaker? Whether that's your belief or you're saying, well, this is interesting, or whether you're saying I have to go to the bath, whatever you're saying in your head. All of that is coming from your psychology, your mindset, your beliefs and values. And the problem is most of us did not consciously define what it is we wanted to believe. We picked up all the stuff along the way. And what's happened is it now controls us. It's the prison which our entire life is filtered through. And so what we want to maybe do today is start to look at what some of those are that empower us so we can use more of that. And maybe look at some of the things we know disempower us, but we haven't really changed and maybe make some real decisions today. Because the meaning is everything. I mean, I see people all the time who are depressed and they got everything on earth to be happy about. I coach people and I have a group of people that I've coached for many years now who pay me a million dollars a year to coach them. And I don't tell that to impress you. I tell you to impress upon you that they perceive great value. It's not about positive thinking or pumping them up. What they want is strategy. For example, one man made a half a billion dollars in one day in the stock market. He's a top financial trader in the world, one of them. And then he lost money for three years. So he tried everything, and then Pat Riley, who's a friend of mine, said, you've got to work with Tony. It's not positive thinking. He'll turn you around, and I did from day one. But I've got to tell you, when I came to see this man, here's a guy that's a multi-billionaire, made a half a billion dollars in a day. Now, you can't live on that, but it's a good start. <laughs> and he's depressed, frustrated, overwhelmed, hurt, sad. And then you find somebody else who, I met a man recently, I received an award, and he came up to get an award right after me at this particular function, and... I didn't understand what the award was for until afterwards. The award is because they said they ran 100 meters in less than 12 seconds, and I thought, well, that's faster than me, but that's not that fast, right? But then I found out that he has no legs. He's running and walking on artificial legs. And this guy is one of the happiest people you meet in your lifetime. You know, I went to a health spa recently, and I was sitting there in the jacuzzi, a bunch of people, and there's this one lady there who's like the life of the party, and I love to find out people's psychology because I'm learning from everyone all the time. The greatest gift we have is each other. And so I asked her, I said, you seem such a happy person. Why are you so happy? She says, because every day of my life's a gift. And I said, what made you decide to come to the spa? She said, because I have a brain tumor. I said, what? She said, I have a brain tumor. They tell me I'm going to die in the next six to eight weeks. 
And she said, so I came here not just to get fit, but to do everything I could to make myself healthy. I said, I would never know it in a million years. She goes, don't worry, I'm not in denial. She said, I just figured, what good does it do to indulge? I can't control how long I'm going to live. All I can do is influence it. And I'm going to do everything I can to influence for the better. She says, and it's not how long you live, it's how you live. And I thought, man, I'm sitting across this woman who's such an inspiration, okay? Whether you're happy or sad, whether you're excited or not, has nothing to do with your life, my friends. It has everything to do with the meaning you're attaching to your life. So let me tell you how you change the meaning. Two ways that you control the meaning fast and rapidly. Number one is the way you use your body, as I mentioned earlier. And I want to say this again because I want you to get, you can't just get this as a thought in your head. You've got to make this a habit in your body. Like, how do you build a muscle? I used to think if you exercise, you build muscle. That's not true. When you exercise, you maintain muscle. If you don't exercise, you lose muscle. The average American gains one pound of fat per year and loses a pound of muscle. So very often their weight stays stable, but the actual physical fitness of their body is going down every single year. The point of the matter is, you've got to exercise just to stay even, to build muscle. Like if I want to build my bicep, what I've got to do is I've got to lift weights that are incredibly difficult. To build muscle, you have to push through what it seems like incredible resistance. You have to push through what is uncomfortable to get growth. And unless you do something that's uncomfortable, you're not going to grow. But what's really wonderful is if you do curls, let's say, with a weight, and I pick a really heavy weight, let's say I'm going to do 10 curls. Which one of those 10 curls do I want to do the least out of those 10? Which one? Number 10. Which one gives you all the growth? No, number 11. That's <laughs> right, because it's the people who do more than's expected that always get all the rewards. It's when you just hate to do it and you make yourself do it, bam! And by demand, your muscles get stronger. And now, what used to be hard to do gets easy. Now, why is that important? Because it's true of emotional muscles. Faith unused dwindles. Passion that is not engaged does not get stronger. It wanes. Love that you don't embrace does not grow. It dies. And what you have to do, though, is love, have faith, embrace those things in your life when you don't want to do it. That's when you build the muscle that makes it so you can handle anything in life. Because i got news for you. You're going to leave here today, and you're going to go out and deal with all kinds of stuff in the next weeks, months, and years, and you're going to deal with a lot of horrible things in your life. So let's be real. You're going to, but the difference is, people say, God, I wish it was so much easier. No, don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. And don't wish. Do something to make yourself better so when the thing happens, you can handle it. I can tell you honestly and sincerely, my heart and soul, that I've been through so many things in my life that were so unbelievably painful. But instead of just thinking, this too shall pass, what I think is, this will make me more. Because by finding a way through this, around it, over it, by finding a way to use this unbelievable problem or challenge, then what happens for me is I, my muscles get so strong, my emotional, my spiritual, my psychological muscles, so the next time something happens, it's not that I don't feel it, it's just like, wham, and they go, wow, how is he so strong and positive and stuff? Well, it's because I've conditioned myself by breaking through it. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I was like, I don't know, 24 years old, 25, very early in my career. I remember I did a seminar in Boston, in downtown Boston, and I finished the thing about midnight, and I went for a walk just to kind of let go, and I was walking through Copley Square. How many have been there know what I'm talking about? If you've not been there, it's a really amazingly historic spot because our society began there. And you've got buildings that have been around since before the U.S. was the United States, and you've got modern buildings right next to it. It's really an amazing place. So I'm walking through and kind of absorbing the history and feeling grateful to God for 
what I get to do for a living here at this young age, and just really, really happy and fulfilled. And in the distance, there's nobody in the streets, it's after midnight. In the distance, I see this figure kind of wandering back and forth between the gutter and the sidewalk. And the guy's kind of staggering. And so as I get closer, I can smell him. And he's all disheveled, and it's obvious he's not washed. And as he's closer, I'm thinking, he's drunk, and he's going to beg me for some money. And sure enough, as you focus, right, it occurs. So he looks at me and says, Mister, could you loan me a quarter? And I looked at him, and he was so beat up looking. I felt such compassion for him, and I thought, God, I'm going to give him some money. But another part of me said, I don't want to reward this behavior. But then my, another part of me said, yeah, but I don't want him to suffer. So I thought for a second. I said, well, is that all you want is a quarter? He looked at me and went, yeah, just one quarter. One quarter changed my whole life. One quarter, one quarter. I said, are you sure? He goes, yep, 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 one quarter. So I reached in my pocket, and I pulled out my money clip, which in those days I had been poor before, so I always carried a big money clip, and I always had $100 bills on the outside, so I felt rich. <laughs> right? So I pulled this thing out, and I made sure he saw it. And I was fuddling through it, trying to find some change caught up between the bills. Right? And I made, he's looking at the bills. He looks at me, looking at the bills, and then finally I found a quarter, pulled it out, looked at the bills, he looked at them, put it in my pocket, took the quarter, and as I started to move towards him, I saw him look at my pocket, and I said to him as I handed the quarter, life will pay any price you ask of it. And I'll never forget, he stood there, and he stared at me, and then he looked at my pocket, then he looked at the quarter, and he stared at me, looked at the quarter, looked at my pocket, looked at me again, looked at the quarter, looked at my pocket. Third time he looked at me, he went, you're weird. <laughs> and he stumbled on off. And that was it. And as I watched him wander on out, I thought to myself, what's the difference between him and me? We live in the same country. You know, we both, I'm sure, experienced massive pain and disappointment and hurt and injustice. But he's 60 years old living in the street begging for quarters and I get to live the way I get to live. And I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm blessed because, you know, because I'm such a good person. That's a real elitist belief system. That's garbage. And I thought, you know what the difference is? The difference is what I told him. I believe life would pay any price I asked of it if I asked intelligently. And asking intelligently doesn't mean you go and beg and the Bible's got an amazing formula. It says, ask and you shall. It didn't say wine and you will receive. And I know it didn't say ask intelligently, but I'm sure that's what God meant. I'm sure he didn't mean complain until you succeed. And I don't think that's what it was. I think what it is, is in order to ask intelligently, you have to demonstrate you mean it. And the way you demonstrate you mean it is you demand more from yourself. You don't just try and get something from somebody else. You try to give at a level that makes you deserving of receiving. And that giving is when you hold yourself to that standard. I got a question for you. What's the difference between a Mother Teresa, God rest her soul, a Nelson Mandela, a Bill Gates, an Oprah Winfrey, a Michael Jordan, and the rest of the world? Well, they're all leaders, right? Isn't that true? Mother Teresa, here's this little woman this tall who had no money, didn't know how to use a computer in the computer age, 
And yet when she died, every major leader of the world was there at her funeral. A quarter of a million people came down to watch her casket go by. People all over the earth mourned the loss of one of the world's great souls. She had no traditional education, but she had a heart. And she had a standard for herself that no one has matched in that area. She swore that as long as she lived, no one within the range of her influence would ever die again without dignity and love. She went into leper colonies in a country where those people are considered a different caste and you didn't even communicate with them. And therefore, she was beloved. What separates those who are the best on earth and others is not skill, it is not ability. It is a psychology of standards. It is that they are unreasonable people. They have unreasonable demands they make on themselves. I don't believe in this whole thing of don't sweat the small stuff, I got to tell you. I'm sure the person who wrote that, I'm respectful, and I've even used that phrase. I think it's appropriate when you start making yourself frustrated over stupid things, but some people take a nap to, it's all small stuff. And I got news for you. No, it's not. If your whole life's small stuff, then why are you here? Your children are small stuff. Love is small stuff. Your spiritual beliefs are small stuff. Your capacity to build a business is small stuff. I don't think so. But if that's what you adopt as a way to just escape frustration, then what you create for yourself is a life of no significance and no meaning. And that's how most people live. Most people live in a place I call no man's land, where they're not really happy, but they're not unhappy enough to do anything about it. The people that govern the world are not reasonable people. Reasonable people go, come on, get real. You can't do that. No one's going to believe in that. No one's going to do that. No one's going to listen to that. Give me a break. Stop this stupid thinking. That's been told to everybody from Edison to Einstein, from Bezos, right, to Gates. Anyone who's had an idea, they've all been seen as crazy. But see, what's unbelievable about them is they weren't reasonable because the reasonable person is always adapting to the world so they'll fit in. The unreasonable person adapts the world to themselves by adding value. And the way they do it is not by demanding from a society, but by delivering and demanding of themselves. If you ask me, I've had the privilege of coaching some unbelievable people, many of which became very good friends, some of which have passed away, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa being two of them. But of all the people I've met, it'd be hard between Mother Teresa, but all the living people I've met and had a chance to work with, Nelson Mandela is the most amazing human being I've ever met. Can you imagine someone taking 27 years of your life away from you and imprisoning you falsely, and you coming out and saying, hey, no problem. Let's work together. Let's make the country great. Can you imagine that? That's what human beings are capable of. But most of us never touch our capability because we're not unreasonable. It'd be very reasonable for him to come out and want to kill every white person in sight. But instead he said, let's find a way. In fact, why don't you help me govern the country, DeClerc? Let's do it together. That's what a human being is capable of when they raise their standard and when they're unreasonable. But to do that, you've got to get hungry. Because as long as you're in no man's land, what you're really doing is making yourself feel comfortable. You get a little stressed, smoke a cigarette. Get a little stressed, eat something. Get a little stressed, turn on CNN. Get a little stressed, go to a movie. Get a little stressed, do something. Because what that does is allow you to escape the stress. And the stress is drive when you convert it. If you have no stress, think about it. You're bored. You want to have eustress instead of distress. Eustress means there's something you want so much that you've got enough drive to make it happen. There's that place inside you, and it only shows up when you get hungry again. And I'll tell you what will get you hungry. When you get around people that are hungry, when you get around people that won't settle, it'll start to affect you. Because you'll start to look around and go, man, that's how life can be. But if you hang around with people who have low standards, you'll be there too. And maybe it's not low compared to who you hang out with. It never looks like it's low. In fact, 
Who do people hang out with? People at their same level or below, so they feel good about themselves. 